This is the second podcast for the Puaka Matariki uh, Festival interviews of artists, Māori and Pacific artists, and this is Zaran Southern. Am I saying your name correctly? Uh, yeah, Southern. Southern. Okay, cool. Southern's all right. <laughs> I've doubted the South, so. <laughs> yeah, South on. I know. <laughs> You've got to roll the R's. So, so um, uh, I have been looking at your work, and uh, I think it's really interesting. I was wondering if there's any particular work that you wanted to talk about today, or if okay. you just wanted to speak about it generally. Um, I think general. It depends okay. if you've got a work in mind, because um, I think my. Um, my approach to it, I work in sort of several areas, um, landscape, um, portrait, still life, and sort of like historical or genre narrative type work. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, so I, well, I, I was actually talking to Aniwa earlier, and she was telling me that she interviewed you, and that you talked about the Weimar Republic and... Um, the history of of the rise of white supremacy and i did actually read your article about white supremacy which is um a quite a poignant topic especially at the moment even though mm. it isn't you know new yeah yeah <laughs> obviously yeah i um... sorry Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I have actually, I have, I know, I too have read quite a lot about the Female Republic because I had an obsession with it when I was at school, which was actually quite a long time ago, but for some reason it's stuck in my mind, all that stuff. So I find it really interesting. I think it was, there were pivotal moments in history. I think that probably was one of them in Western history. Yes. And I think that was probably one of them. And I think perhaps the French Revolution was in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Definitely the colonisation of the Pacific. Really. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Absolutely. Um, in the the last couple of years, I've uh, been trying to really get my head around um, Hannah Arendt's um, "The Origins of um, Totalitarianism." Oh, wow! Yeah, and, um, interesting. And there she goes into imperialism and the Dreyfus affair, and how just a lot of um, the rise of um, of the Nazis was. Um, it was foreshadowed by a lot of um, imperialism and, and especially oh, yeah. things like the Dreyfus Affair. I don't know anything about the Dreyfus Affair. What's that about? Um, well, I'm no expert on it, but just with what, what I can remember, there was a, um, I believe, a, a, someone in the army that was um, supposedly um, did some bad things and then all these conspiracy theories um, rose up around it. Oh, and yeah. um, there was there, there was a sensationalised um, court case in France, and it, it, it turned out to be just all bogus, and it just fed into anti-Semitism. Oh, in, um, wow! Right across uh, through Europe, yeah. Um, but most of my um, looking into um, the origins of um, totalitarianism, I looked at um, the idea of the mass movement, and um, especially um, with Brexit at the time and what was happening in America with um, MAGA and, and what have you. Yeah. And that synthesis of um, right-wing um, activism 
with um, uh, with left-wing populism, which started off with Occupy movement in uh, 2011, but yep. um, how um, the right wing sort of um, attaches itself onto that. Um, but what um, Hannah yeah. Arendt gets into more is that the um, the success of um, the right wing in Weimar Germany was largely brought about by the middle class and the bourgeoisie actually yeah. actively involved with the um, the right wing populism at the time. Yeah, right. God, that's interesting. What's the name of that person? Hanover. Hannah. No, no, no. Um, Hannah Arendt. Oh, Hannah Arendt. Arendt, yeah. A R E N D T, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Arendt, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, she, she was Heidegger's lover for many years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very troubled relationship, <laughs> I think, with him. She was, yeah, he's a scoundrel in my, in my view. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, she's very interesting. Sc- she, she escaped. Yeah, there, a lot of them were, weren't they? Yeah, they, no. um, She escaped um, Germany um, and got out before um, the Holocaust, really. Ah, oh, I see. Was she Jewish? Yes. Ah, right. Yeah, oh, very God, interesting. There's a, there's a really good there's a really good um, interview with her on YouTube um, towards the end of her life in the late sixties, early seventies. Oh, cool! I'll look at that. And she talks a lot about that. Um, I'm interested in her life. I've been looking a little bit at her philosophy just during lockdown. I did um, uh, some Kant seminars with um, Justin E. Smith. Oh, yeah. And um, the, yeah, weekly Zoom sessions, but at the same time, um, I was reading Hannah Arendt's um, interpretation of the critique of judgment of um, Kant, and yeah, oh. she's she sees it as a, a like a political philosophy, and I'm interested in looking at that area a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How yeah. do you so? This is the part. How how do you see? Because how do you see? Um, your philosophies tying in with your artwork, like with the style that you've chosen to use. Which yeah, I think that's, a, I that's think a, a really interesting question. It's a, it's always been a difficult question. Uh, marrying my um, contextual ideas and philosophy to my artwork, I've, I've always found that a challenge. Yeah. But I, I think, from a historical point of view, um, the area of interest that I've become more involved in looking at historically is um, 19th century realism and yeah. of Gustave Courbet um, and the artists around the world, Ilya Repan in um, Russia. Yeah. And yeah, they were just at the start of, well, for example, Gustave Courbet was in the 1871 Paris Commune as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I've, I've tended to skirt around many different um, compositional ideas, formal ideas in my work, but I've, I've tended to go for more of a grounded approach to my realism, more of a type of naturalism, trying to move away from idealism in a lot of ways. Yeah, sure. So you're trying to move away from that whole, which could, could I mean, the whole romantic kind of classic and classicism, a lot of the neoclassical, Classicism was quite romantic as well. I thought the way yeah, you know, like yeah. David's work and stuff like that. The way they oh yeah, and tyrant, total tyrant. Yeah, David, you know. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I like um, that that time when a lot of those artists were trained under people like that, and then but you get this flowering, and you wouldn't have Kubay without David. Yeah, sure. 
um, uh, contradiction within yeah. the, the classical tradition. And I think a lot of it was to do with um, a lot of them, a lot of artists just having a, a more bohemian and just more willing to think outside of the square um, and maybe have more empathy towards, um, for example, at that time, the, the peasant classes and the working class. Yeah, that's right. And also the, um, the, there was probably, that was probably the beginning of the colonial guilt. There was right, the yeah. level of that, you know, with the dusky maiden and the noble savage and all that. Yes, yes, and they were all questioning it, weren't they? You know, it's yeah. Like, and I think that's what I'm like at art school. I don't think it was um, encouraged enough to um, look at that side of art history. If anything, it was um, brushed aside quickly, um, and you're given really quite formal, form, formulaic view of art history. But we're, we're encouraged to really pursue postmodernism in the 90s i went through in the yeah 90s. yeah right that's interesting and even though foucault and all that were discussing quite radical ideas but it seemed like a um, sanitized version of it and it was only yeah, sure. um i couldn't understand it at the time but it was only in subsequent just really trying to look at history in the last two decades and trying to get my head around it um that i could see that there was this total totally other side to art history and even with the surrealists and what they were doing though you know a lot of anarchists and communists and communist ideas and um a lot of modern art history as well yeah tended, yeah um if anything yeah a lot of people were discouraged from um pursuing those those sorts of areas, uh, areas yeah that's in, true in the 1990s yeah yeah well i don't i don't know that there's a lot of encouragement for it now either Oh, right. From what I remember from art school, but um, yeah. there's, you know, a lot of, I do actually really, I did really enjoy reading Foucault and Baudrillard, the stuff right, yeah. that I read and, you know, and some of the other people. But um, I just, the thing that I did think with Foucault was that he made, when I read it, him, I just thought, oh my God, that's exactly what I think. That, you know, it was kind of like, yeah. it just made so much sense. It seemed so logical and then the fact that he was a gay man in the era that he was in and then his subject matter all just made so much more sense so the context of him as a human being within you know uh, an environment that was that was still illegal to be gay and all that kind of stuff mm, so mm. so his mm. friends would have been going to jail and they would have been going into institutions and all that kind of stuff i found that all really really interesting like i've personally found that really interesting just, and I do think the context of the people involved in their philosophies is also really interesting. It's not just the yeah, their life story. Philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because it totally yeah. informs their work, just like all of this informs your, you know, like like what we're informed by our work by. So, is our yeah. environment and our what we've come across in that. But, um, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, mm. I. But I also, I know that it's changed so much like in the eighties and that even the world was so much more conservative. So when you see, cause it was still illegal to be gay then. So for gay men, you know, it was still illegal. Mm. And so when, with somebody like Foucault, he, he was still quite radical then. So it, mm. it does, it is partly contextual. Oh, you know, it's that contextual thing, but um, yeah. So, Sorry, I've just totally diverted off. And, and, and he, he, taught, he spoke about the indigenous specialists, which I find interesting. Oh, I didn't. I haven't read about that. Yeah, I've only um, read one of his books. Yeah, one of my relatives um, 
did he's an archaeologist um des kahotea and um yeah he he wrote about that in his um his phd and that was one line of um area that he's worked into his archaeology is the idea of the um indigenous specialist um someone being um well obviously local to the community and speaking from within rather than the and that's the great thing about um Foucault and that they saw the imposition of having the colonial administrator or the colonial anthropologist coming into communities which yeah. hey there's been some amazing things and there still is amazing things but I think there's still um something special about how he was able to recognize oh well no 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 indigenous people can speak for themselves as well yeah yeah sure yeah, because and uh, th- I do think that would have been because he was gay. I do right. think that would have been directly related to him being um, marginalised himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. And this idea of um, you know when he started getting into um, M and what have you. Yeah. Was the idea of the choice of the person um, having a choice to be within uh, a power structure or, or a hierarchy and. Um, David Graeber, I think, talk, speaks about that in, I think, his recent oh. book, um, Bullshit Jobs. Have you... Oh, yeah. No, I don't know, yeah. I don't know him at all. David Graeber, yeah, he's an anthropologist, American anthropologist. He's oh. currently in London. He came up with uh, the slogan, we are the 99%. Oh, yeah, right. Ah, that's a, yeah, really, and, that's um, a really good slogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, it was a bunch of, him and a bunch of Adbuster people came up with it at the beginning of um, Occupy. Oh, right. Um, yeah, and so he's just uh, written a book um, in the last 18 months um, called Bullshit Jobs, just the rise of the bullshit um, bureaucratic sector in uh, managerialism. And because um, uh, basically he had a, a lot of people, well, I think they did a YouGov poll and there was something like 36% or, yeah, I think it's 36% of Britons just thought their job was pointless. And oh, then he, he that's and it's high, that's people, high. That's really high, yeah. And so he did a depressing. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey. He 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 uses um Twitter as well, which is interesting. So he did a tweet saying, Oh, oh and I remember the email. He um he said, Oh, here's my email. Can you can people please send me stories about their jobs? Um, whether you think it's bullshit or not. And so he got a um a huge huge amount of emails. So he published most of them in the first half of the book. Wow. And to read them, it's just like, wow, pretty amazing. Um, and then he goes into the idea of how this came about and, um, you know, historically and, and, and from an anthropo- anthropological background as well and an um, activist background, which is interesting as well. Yeah, that is and, interesting. And yeah, in it, he says about the, in our society, you know, we are worked, well, us being artists, we we see it from outside of those around us that are overworked. And, um, you know, back in the um, Middle Ages, people worked, you know, a third of the time. Or I know. Or it's that weird thing that we've created all this technology to make it a, a um, easier life, but it's actually a lot harder. We yes. Lot and more. what happened to the utopia of technology? Yeah. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, the Jetsons, and even if you go back to back to the future, you know, what, what it would be like in 2000 and after, you know, it was supposed to be hovercraft, um, hoverboards and 
but um, that way of thinking is sort of, um, yeah. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's sort of gone to the wayside, really, and we just got people like crazy people like Elon Musk. <laughs> And what are they doing? What's what's he doing? Blowing up rockets, you know. When 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 back when, in the sixties and that it was very ambitious of where we were and what um Keynes and that were talking about, they thought we'd be working in a fifteen hour day, um in the in, in the new millennium. Oh, that sounds oh, 15 good. Fifteen hour week, sorry, yes. Yeah. Mm. That sounds so I, I, yeah. That's, that's a pretty interesting. I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they had big visions for humanity and it's sort of, um, I think the success of neoliberalism is just being not only an apathy, but also a um, cynicism about any sort of way of thinking outside the box or thinking, uh, thinking of doing things differently. Yeah. Um, I which just... is, yeah. Oh, sorry. I know. I'm just sorry. I was just going to ask you uh, one thing about another thing about your because I do see it with the tie between classicism and your work. You know that the and the class and the class class like Persephone. You've got the painting Persephone and um, Tiresias. And I how so that's the same as like the like Nazi Germany. As you know, they were really into classical art and so was the French Revolution and so why have you chosen that particular kind of class, classical art to um, I, I think there is a, an aesthetic um, to a lot of that art and I think it is borrowed from um, on my marae there was a lot of portraiture oh, yeah. and a lot of classical portraiture yeah. So I grew up with um, painters like Goldie and Rembrandt. Um, my grandmother is uh, from Karaoia. Uh, oh, yeah. And um, she wanted to be an artist. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's where, where that formed. Okay. Um, and then it was, as you mentioned earlier, going to high school um, and taking up art, and at the time on the syllabus was painters like Max Beckman and Otto Dix yeah. and George Gross and those Weimar painters. And I, uh, I was, even though I was into a lot of expressionism in the early years, um, but I was attracted to what Otto Dix had done with the uh, National Socialist Art, art Policy, yeah. um, which was to be classical art and how he subverted a lot of that and put in a, a lot of different messages. And also you had, um, not only did you have um, the National Socialists, but you also had under Stalin those state official programs as well. And there's, there's yeah, definitely yeah, sure. to a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and what, what I find with um, painters like Otto Dix, um, there was maybe a, there's more of an individualism with their work oh, as yeah. opposed to um, state policy. So oh I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm interested in, you know, this is something that I try and teach students, and um, some of my best teachers have always talked about this: is putting your own energy into the work or your own mark. And um, yeah, I don't know how that happens, but um, yeah, rather than you know um, 
ticking the box. I think a lot of National Socialist art is like that. It's just absolute rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen Hitler's paintings? (laughs) Uh, Not in the flesh, no. I went to the, yeah, yeah. I went to to this bunker in Germany in 1999. Yeah. Wow. On my OE there. And I went to... um, to um, Dresden as well because there was a, a painting there called Der Krieg, The War by Otto Dix and I always wanted to see that painting because it was one of my favourite paintings when I was at art school. Yeah. And, um, but uh, when, when I was in Dresden, um, there, it was the first time I came across um, a, a lot of anti-fascism as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as yeah. well, I was really active there and I, I, was only, I was only there for a week or two but um, just... Um, meeting um, young Germans and hearing them talk about uh, they're they afraid of the rise of the right wing again and look what's happening in Germany. Yeah, I know. Right I know. It's been and, rising and, for a while, I think. Y- yes, yeah. yeah. And one thing that struck me there because I grew up, you know, we're predominantly under this whole um, neo-McCarthyism in New Zealand um, and, you know, family, uh, you know, just gave very um, you know, one-dimensional view of the whole Russia Cold War thing. But um, when I was there, um, a lot of these young people were saying they preferred it um, under the former GDR, under the former, um, uh, under the Soviet rule, because um, wow. they, they got treated better. And they, they found that a lot of society had turned extremely selfish since the war had, had fallen. Oh, yeah, and, and it became yeah, well, because I, yeah, I heard some stories about, uh, you know, the real estate agents getting in there pretty fast. Oh, after right. Yeah, came yeah. Down. yeah. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. Real estate agents and journalists, they're the first on the scene pretty much all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would have been a shock to the, all those people. I know. Parachuting real, real estate journalists. <laughs> hey, there's a painting there. There is. There totally is. You know, <laughs> I... I've actually, I have with my work, because I'm an artist as well, but I have in my work, I have um, referenced some of the Greek gods, which was Tantalus. But my reasoning was because I think that there's a thread of it right through the European thing, right back to Romans. So, because I was writing my masters at the time. So that goes through, it's a thinking that came back, came, came through, it's a way of thinking that came through went through the enlightenment and then all that and then yep. came up to us now. Uh, and that, that was part, I mean, it's more complicated than that, but that is part of, mm-hmm. you know, what essentially I was kind of, so that's why I was asking you if there was like any kind of philosophy involved in your um, use. I mean, cause there obviously is, I mean, you've been talking about all of those, you've been talking about the Weimar Republic and that quite a lot and mm. fascism. So there obviously is, but I was just, yeah, sorry. Um, yes, and I think that's an interesting thing about um, what comes through with the whole whole Europeanization ideology and 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 art. And, yeah. Um, and I, for myself, I I was a tr- I'm attracted to the whole guild system during the Renaissance, and how how that is a precursor to the modern union movements, and. Um, you know, and a lot of working class movements as well. Yeah, um, sure. Some of these ideas, I think it was um, James C. Scott, again, um, Graeber and that, 
how there's free cities. Because um, uh, Kropotkin's um, mutual aid, he talks about a lot of these um, free cities that happened during the Middle Ages. They broke away from the states that were usually yeah, uh, the mid- oppression. Yeah, and how these guilds came about through that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much interested in that. And, uh, yeah, and um, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't know a lot about it, but, you know, I've chosen some themes from classism and Greek gods and, and things like that, but they're usually to do with a particular story or a narrative. So, for example, the Persephone one, I just like the idea of her being, um, well, the idea of an allegorical sense of, um, the green movement being hijacked, um, um, and in that, in that yeah, case, of, uh, sure. bag and, and Zeus and taking you um, and Hades taking it into the underworld and what have you. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there, there's interesting parallels I think there again going back yeah, to the whole thing of, of of the right wing and the left wing. And I, I think yeah. that's where maybe postmodernism was trying to get away from those grand narratives. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. you know, um, when I went through kind in the of. 90s. What's that? Sorry? It, it kind of was, but it was kind of buying oh. into them quite a lot as well, I thought. But it kind of was, but it kind of, it didn't really veer away particularly. You know, oh. like, that's, that, yeah. this is what I think. Like it never, it, it stayed on the same stream of thought is what I yeah. mean. Oh, and the whole idea of the the meta narrative, the grand narrative. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I, and I think that's where David Graeber is is really interesting. His book Debt, the last five thousand years of of debt systems or credit systems, and um, those sweeping grand narratives. Oh, and yeah, I, and I no. think yeah, it's it's sort of come back really. And at that time when I was going through the nineties, it was the end of history and Fukuyama and what have you. And everyone's getting excited about that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, and here, here I was interested in Weimar Germany and because I've got a Jewish background as well. So the Holocaust and that was quite, um, you know, I was very much interested in that Yeah. as well. Is that where your first name comes from? Is it Jewish, your first name? Um, no, no, it's actually a Bulgarian name, but um, ah. mum was just very creative when she had me really. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cole, so, it's a great name. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard it before. My name's pretty common, really, Catherine. <laughs> I, I had I had a I had a, a MAGA guy a MAGA guy um, contact me from the states. Oh, I found out he was MAGA eventually, <laughs> and his name was Stuart Zoran or something like that. Oh, oh wow! Really? And um, yeah, and then and then he was following me for a bit, and then he saw me posting Antifa stuff, and I think he stopped following me after that. <laughs> he contacted me saying, "Hey, buddy, I got the same name." <laughs> oh well, that's. <laughs> It's kind of interesting who follows, why people follow no, people, isn't no, it? No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you at art school at the moment? Um, I'm teaching a little bit at uh, my friend's school, uh, Matthew Brownie. It's called the Brownie School of Art and, um, ah. uh, around Karangahapu Road, um, Great North Road. Oh, I think that came out on my um, Facebook I think it came up at some point. I think somebody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he'd be plugging that a bit. Yeah, he's very good at that sort of thing, you know, marketing and all that. I'm going to be Great up guys. there soon. Yeah. So what do you have to? So what do you teach up there at the oh, school? I'm, I'm teaching um, portraiture, and oh, cool. um, but there's a number of things happening. 
Yeah, you could you could try and do get in touch with um, Matthew and do a workshop or something. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah cause, that um, sounds interesting. Yeah, do do a one off um, weekend or something because you know yeah, contact them, do, yeah. do some classes. Um, yeah, because the, I think the yeah he doesn't really finalize stuff until towards the end of the year anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah cool. I might come up and do some of your class. I might come up and do some of the classes too. I do love your draw- your portraiture. It's amazing. Okay. Way, but you, you teach you're... as well though, don't you? No, I don't teach. I, I just, I've got my master's though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did, I worked as a um, kid. I worked looking after kids with disabilities for years. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not actually a teacher. Oh. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I just come from on... a, a long line of school teachers, so I probably have a voice that's like a school teacher voice. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's good. Yeah, my grandmother was a teacher as well. Oh, teacher. was she? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. She taught at Kudato Primary School for a number of years. Oh, wow. It's the painter one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cool. my other nana on, my, on the other side, she was the Irish Maori descent, and she was a butcher. Oh, wow. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. that's quite rare. Yeah. <laughs> she was random. Yeah, yeah. She'd always have a beer and all that. Yeah, yeah cool. Cool data. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, hey, I, I, yeah. Have, I really enjoy talking to you because it's really, really interesting. But our it's a half hour slot and it might just suddenly turn off. So I just want to okay. say thanks. Thank you so much for talking. And oh, it was really, care. really good having you in our interview sessions yeah and um i will look you up when i come to auckland definitely and yeah yeah definitely we'll catch up for a coffee yeah totally that sounds great that was zaran southern and who is an artist who resides in auckland and this is and my name is kath cochran from nocturnal projections and other small happenings I'd like to give a quick shout out to 91 fm the puaka masariki festival 2020 and benjamin for the great sounds thank you for listening po maria kia pai totato masariki